Well, good morning to each of you. Greetings in Jesus' name. The one that has made it possible that we can enter into the Holy of Holies. And stand, kneel, enter the presence of God with hearts that are, are pure and hearts that are expectant. This morning's Sunday school lesson plays a little bit of a makes an impression as we as I as I consider the responsibility to to minister here this morning and to preach the gospel. I remember hearing some time ago the brother said your joy in preaching the gospel is something no one can take from you. And I've thought about that often. I can consider it a, a task, a, I don't know if you'd even say drudgery, but a, a heavy weight. Or I can look forward to the opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to expound from the word. And I try to do that. I try to see that as a, as a blessed privilege. And it has its rewards. I have a question for you this morning. A couple questions. And the first one I'm not sure if I should ask. How many of you came in a 2021 model vehicle this morning? It doesn't really matter. But think if you came this morning on an old bike, bicycle with maybe even a flat tire, the handlebars were crooked, the brakes didn't work. And when you got here, somebody was there in the parking lot with a brand new, maybe five miles from the dealership to here, three miles, on the odometer, 2021 vehicle of your choice and said, I'll trade you. Here are the keys. I want your bike. All you need to do is take it home. Be sure you drive on the right side of the road. Would you think that it's kind of a... There's got to be a trick here. Maybe a poor analogy, but... You may come back to that as we as we go along here this morning. This message was inspired by a message I heard several months ago in another congregation we'd attended. Sometimes I, I wonder how much I should take from messages that others preach. But there's a verse that was read in our devotional this morning that I, I come back to as should I say, permission or encouragement to do that. Anyone know what that verse is? 2 Timothy. The same that thou, the things that thou hast heard among me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. That's a passing on of truth from one person, one generation, one faithful witness to another. Turn with me to Exodus. Exodus 
Exodus chapter 1. I want to look briefly here at the, the situation of the children of Israel. The first section that we're going to be looking at here in the message, we could title from Exodus to Entrance. Exodus 1, verse 13. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Does that sound like a place you'd want to be? Chapter 2, verse 23. And I'm going to be reading a lot of scriptures. I don't expect you to turn to all. Uh, but I'll. there's some will be a little longer and I will maybe notate those. Exodus 2.23 And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And in chapter 3 verse 7 and 8 And the Lord said I have surely seen the afflictions of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. So we see where the children of Israel, what situation they're in, and we hear God here comes and says, I've seen this, I'm going to do something about it. He's talking to Moses there, and then Moses has some interaction with Pharaoh. Pharaoh retaliates with the idea that they would be so bold as to want to go away and sacrifice, that he takes the straw away. The leaders of the Israelites come to Moses and Aaron here in chapter 5, verse 21. This is the, the leaders there, the, the elders of the children of Israel. It says, and they said unto Unto them, Moses and Aaron, the Lord look upon you and judge because you have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. They blame Moses and Aaron for their hard, harder hardship, for their extra layer of, of suffering. Verse 22, And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. He was discouraged too. But then we see God's response in chapter 6. And I'll be reading a number of verses here. Exodus chapter 6. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now, shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand he shall drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groanings 
of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you in unto the land concerning which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. What a wonderful message, a promise, a remembrance of the covenant, a promise you're here, you're under bondage, but I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to bring you in. Deliverance. Bondage to freedom. The time of the fulfillment of the covenant was here. But verse 9 says, And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Do you ever experience bondage? Do you ever experience... Have you experienced bondage? Do you experience pain and suffering and and where you're just about to despair? You know, Satan, I believe, would tell us that there's no hope or escape. And here, they were so far down that they, they thought that there's no way out, that... Their spirit was just totally crushed under the bondage. And with this wonderful promise that God came and was about to fulfill, it hardly registered. But God did deliver them. And we're not going to go through those chapters, but chapter 13, verse 3 says, And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by the strength of the hand of the Lord, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place, and there shall no leavened bread be eaten. Remember this day. This was a wonderful day. Rejoice in it. Remember it. It was the Lord that brought you out. And in Deuteronomy, they're looking back. They're rehearsing things. And and Moses has these things to say in Deuteronomy 6, beginning of verse 20. He says, And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded us? Why do we live this way? Why has God put these requirements on us? What's this whole tabernacle and, and the way we have to do things? Then thou shalt say to thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. 
And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in, to give us the land which he sware to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Do you see the contrast? Out and in, out of bondage, into that good land, that land flowing with milk and honey, that land of of plenty, of promise. That's why we do what we do. So why do we have these instances recorded? Why do we have the Old Testament? Our memory selection says that these things were for our examples. That we can learn from them. This idea of deliverance, an exchange of, well, of being taken out to something better. The idea, this concept of deliverance is a central theme of Scripture, is it not? I'd like to look at a few more passages that talk about deliverance. One is a prophecy in Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives in the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. A prophecy of, of that one that would come and bring this message not to those under Egyptian bondage, but those under the bondage of sin. In bondage to Satan, to themselves. Notice the contrast here in verse 3. To give them beauty for ashes. Joy for mourning, praise for heaviness. Another verse in Colossians chapter 1. Speaking of deliverance, verse 13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Deliverance through Christ. Available to all. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, who, hath, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, and in whom we trust he will yet deliver us. Now that's a pretty complete picture of deliverance. He delivered us, he doth deliver, it's right now, he is delivering us and he will yet deliver us. 
Paul was speaking there of the circumstances that they were in specifically, but see that is no matter what stage of life we are in or what circumstances we face, God wants to deliver us from sin, from the strongholds that are in our lives. And now I would like to look at some pictures of this this exchange. A glorious exchange of bondage to freedom. I used that very poor analogy earlier of, of of a piece of junk bicycle for a brand new vehicle. Is that not an exchange? You put in one thing, you get something else. You turn in one for something else. Now, is one better than the other? We would think so. Which is better, bondage or freedom? This is a, an exchange that we are offered by our Redeemer, by our Creator, through Jesus Christ. These pictures are in a song that we will sing directly, but I'm going to go through and and look at some of these. Bondage to freedom, that, that line there. The New Testament speaks of bondage and being free from that bondage. Romans 8. Verse 15, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And down in verse 21, it says, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And I'm not going to go through and elaborate on each of these nuances of the bondage and the liberty, just looking briefly at the concept. Bondage, delivered from bondage into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Galatians 5 verse 1. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Forasmuch then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that he might through death, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You see, God's heart is for us to live out of bondage, in, in a freedom of spirit, freedom from sin. Free. Bondage to freedom. That is the message of the gospel. A second contrast or exchange is that of sorrow to gladness. Acts 2, verse 46 and 47. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. The early church there, 
They were rejoicing. They were glad. They weren't sorrowing. Acts 14, 17 says, Nevertheless, he left him left not himself without witness, and that he did good, and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. God's desire is that we experience the gladness in him. Now, we sorrow for our sins. We experience sorrow in our hearts at times. But this exchange, he he wants us to experience the gladness that comes in a right relationship and being free from sin. Another exchange that we make is offered to us is night into light. John 11, verse 10. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. So that's a dark picture. Walking in the darkness, we stumble. First Thessalonians 5 says, verse 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Do you have that light in your heart? Are you watching? Are you walking circumspectly? Because you can see. The exchange that we have offered to us. Light for darkness. Luke 11, 33-36. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body were full of light... If thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. We don't think in terms of candles much anymore. Maybe candle power. But lumens, we like flashlights. Children have some animals outside that need fed at night. A lamb that thought that should be fed more than just during the daylight hours. And well, there's always the call for the flashlight to go see, to not have to walk in darkness. And when you take your flashlight, you don't usually stick a bucket over it and walk out. You point it to where you want to see. Choose light. And here we are admonished to to put our eyes focused on truth. A single eye. Looking to God to, to show us how to walk. Light versus night. 
there's more of these, but at this point, I'm going to ask Randall and Brent to pass out a song sheet to, to you all, and we can sing this song that highlights these these contrasts. The song is Jesus I Come. It's a song that's full of these word pictures. And the answer or the rip the, the way it's attained is at the end of every line. Jesus I come to thee out of my bondage. Did you get a sheet? Would you look? Would you give a, a pitch there for an E? And we'll sing the first two verses of that song, "Jesus, I Come." Actually, it's an A. I said it wrong. It's A. So. Out of my bondage Have you come to Jesus? And are you finding that? 
that glorious exchange offered. Down in the second part of the verse 1, it says, Sickness to health. In Luke 5, Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Therefore, I came, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. From want to wealth. Think of the prodigal son. He walked away and was in bondage. He was in a terrible position of want. My pigs get fed pretty good grain. I think I could probably sustain myself on it pretty good, but I doubt that the pigs that he fed were getting that good of a ration. It says he he would have filled his belly with the husks. And he realized where he was. And he returned to wealth, the wealth of his father. Luke 1, verse 53. I believe this was Mary speaking. And she says, He hath filled the hungry with good things. The rich he hath sent away empty. This idea of wealth, of riches, not physical riches, but spiritual riches, is very prevalent in the book of Ephesians especially, but throughout the New Testament. But we're reading a number of verses here, a few in Ephesians and some other. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. And in verse 18, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. If you are in want... If your soul is empty, God is offering to exchange that for riches. Riches of the glory of His inheritance. Colossians 2, that their heart might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Back to Ephesians. There's a beautiful prayer there in Ephesians 3, and I'm just going to bring out one verse. It says, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And if that isn't the opposite of want, I don't know what is. There's further... And that, uh, comparisons in this song in verse verse 2 from shameful failure and loss to the gain of the cross from earth's sorrows into balm storms into calm and distress into psalm do you see the picture of the glorious exchange what God offers us. Bondage to freedom. The 
I'm going to go back and look at a passage in Numbers quickly. Numbers 4. Verse, num, excuse me, Numbers 11, verse 4, it says, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Now, I find it interesting there that it starts out the mixed multitude. And I believe that that would refer to those that went up that were not Egyptian, uh, were not Israelites, but that chose to go with them. And they got the children of Israel stirred up. Those people weren't under hard bondage. They fell in with the wrong crowd here and the crowd influenced them to forget what they came out of. Numbers 14, and all the congregation... Numbers 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night after the spies gave their report. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation and said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. How many of you have heard of the term recidivism? The definition is a tendency to relapse into a previous condition or mode of behavior, especially criminal behavior. I'm jumping around here. I hope you can follow. But I'm going to read just a, a paragraph from a published article. Long-term recidivism studies show high arrest rates. Two reports on long-term recidivism among prisoners released from state and federal prisons showed very high arrest rates. The rate for state prisoners was 83% over a nine-year period. That means that when someone goes to prison and they're released, they're freed from bondage, that within nine years, 83% of them are rearrested and go back into bondage. Now, not all are, it doesn't, you know, what, what's the outcome of that arrest? But they're rearrested. The children of Israel were rearrested. They wanted to go back. At least they said so. They forgot. Let's hope we can think as we look at our lives, do we realize what we've been saved from? Are we experiencing that glorious exchange? Are we tempted to go back? Are we back secretly in our hearts? Are we wanting to consume the cucumbers and the melons of our previous bondage and don't realize where we really are?
You know, the promised land was the goal. The wilderness, I don't believe God intended, that God really wanted to take them through there for 40 years. And yet it was to be a period of, as we look back in the lessons of, of the children of Israel, it was, a, it was a time of proving, a time of trial, a time of, I think the analogy is very close to our Christian walk. As we look forward to the promised land, and we can get discouraged, we can want to give up. So where are you today? Questions to end with. In bondage or on your way to the promised land? A few more verses here that speak of this great difference of condition. John chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus said this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Death unto life. Which do you choose? And in Titus 3, 3 to 6, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior towards, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. I would hope we can each acknowledge that as our experience. I would like us to sing the last two verses of this song. I would like to sing it as an invitation. If God has spoken to you this morning that there's bondage in your life, something that that you have returned to, sin that is is taking away your gladness, taking away your peace that is causing you to walk in darkness. That we give opportunity this morning that you could come and make that right before God. That you could acknowledge this blood of Christ as, as the remedy, as the the cleansing that you need. So if God is speaking to you, I invite you to come as we sing the last two verses of this song. Out of unrest and
bow our heads for prayer. Father, we do come in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the provisions that you have made. For the bondage that we do not have to live in. For the glorious liberty of the children of God. For the inheritance that we have as we confess our sin, as we repent, as we choose, as we choose to walk in light. Father, I thank you for this body, this assembly of brothers and sisters, and as we endeavor to daily walk in light, to walk in the light of your truth, to apply the blood of Christ to our our mortal and frail hearts that you would cleanse us. And if there's things that you would bring to our our hearts and minds that need cleansed and delivered from bondage of Satan, Father, I pray for grace and for courage that we can truly live in the light of your love and in, in that blessed peace that comes from knowing you intimately and and completely. So search our hearts as we continue to walk before you. May you use our our fellowship and our our time of of edification and and encouragement to, to speak into us. May we speak into each other's hearts and lives. May your spirit draw us ever closer to your side. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.